This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Woke Wars, a podcast by the Miami Herald's opinion team, where we look behind Florida's culture wars. Welcome to Woke Wars. I'm Nancy Ankrum, here with the opinion team of the Miami Herald, Amy Driscoll, Isadora Rangel, Luisa Yanez, and Lauren Costantino. Three simple letters, D-E-I, diversity, equity, and inclusion, are making Florida ground zero in the culture wars, reshaping what our kids learn, what professors can and can't teach at state colleges, how businesses do business, and how we address race, gender, and sexuality. Governor DeSantis and most lawmakers have declared war on woke, and while the state legislature is in session, we'll be in session too. Already, the legislature is waging the next battle as they meet in Tallahassee this week. Isadora, what's going on up there? Yeah, so House Bill 999 has been filed in the House, and there's a companion bill in the Senate. So it bends consideration of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the hiring of faculty at Florida colleges and universities. It gives the governor more power over the hiring of faculty. It dictates that general courses may not include, quote, identity politics, such as critical race theory, or define American history as contrary to a nation founded on universal values. It also bans majors like gender studies. It requires the teaching of the Bill of Rights and Constitution and creates an institute for governance and civics at Florida State University. And last but not least, it bans resources for programs and campus activities that promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. As we know, that's known by the acronym DEI. The principle of DEI seeks to give everyone a fair shake at gaining access to opportunity in school and at work. At state colleges and universities, programs to give blacks, Hispanics, women, and others who are often sidelined a boost are under scrutiny and at risk of being eliminated. DEI advocates think it's racist, sexist, and exclusionary not to continue these programs. DEI opponents think it's racist and exclusionary against whites to have them in the first place. Here's what Governor DeSantis wants. We want to make sure that everybody that goes through a Florida university uh, has to take certain core course uh, requirements that's really focused on giving them the foundation so that they can think for themselves. And the core curriculum must be grounded in actual history, the actual philosophy that has shaped Western civilization. Um, Our institutions will be graduating students, I think, with degrees that are going to be meaningful. We don't want students to go through at taxpayer expense and graduate with a degree in zombie studies. And so this is going to make a difference. Thanks to the Palm Beach Post for letting us use that clip. I love zombie studies. However, I do think the state has a duty to examine the expense of any programs that it's funding. It is our money, after all. 
I am concerned that state leaders are marching forward with an assumption that DEI is a bad thing and that they are default hostile to it. It says a lot about who's valued and who is not. Amy, what do you think? Uh, well, I think that this is an attempt to redefine the concept of discrimination. And um, it seems, though, in Florida that we are forgetting that not everybody starts off on the same footing. So I think there's a, there's a fundamental problem with it, which is the idea that, you know, anybody can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. That's great. And, you know, it's certainly what we, we can all aspire to. But a lot of people also get a hand up. And that's, um, I don't think they're not quite... Um, acknowledging that in this concept. Yeah, and mentioning, I just I just mentioned to you guys, uh, HB 999, I think it's very interesting that it specifically says that you cannot teach any general courses that don't define American history as contrary to a nation founded on universal values. My opinion is at the core of this conversation about DEI, about critical race theory, about all the things that we will be talking about on this podcast, is how do you define America, right? Uh, there are two currents, let's say, the one that believes that America is the greatest nation on earth where everybody is created equal, where people are given the same opportunities, where you can come here as an immigrant such as myself and become the best version of yourself. But there are people who acknowledge that, but also say America was not founded as an equal nation. It was there was slavery, there was segregation, there continues to be discrimination. So which version of America is going to prevail? I think in Florida, it's very clear that one version of American history, identity and culture is the valid one. And that's the one that's being sanctioned by the state. My concern with that is that when the state gets in the business of defining what kind of speech is right and what kind of speech is wrong, that goes against what I believe this country is all about. And that's the part that, that scares me is the censorship that, that is going on at our state universities. And I use censorship, I really mean it, because you're not allowing professors to speak freely about topics. As we know, they are afraid to get into certain conversations. And DEI, I think, is kind of uh, the symbol for what, you know, a lot of conservatives are trying to, to tear down right now. I agree with that, Isadora. I think that uh, this, the, this is being promulgated by people who think and who say, rightly in some instances, that the pendulum has swung too, too far in one direction and that it is shutting down conservative speak, uh, conservative thought, but it's unfortunate that they are so unimaginative about how to correct this, that they are going all the way back to another extreme, which isn't fair, which isn't right, and which, isn't un which is un-American. If you have to shut other people up, and that they would say the same thing about cancel culture. If, if you have to shut people up and this time through law, then I think that's a pretty poor defense of your position. And I think as the state swings the other way, I wonder how students are gonna to react to this. I mean, the state can try to do whatever it wants, but let's see how students react to it. And they've targeted New College, which is, I guess, a perfect target for them. It's a very liberal college. And they have gone in there, they've removed the, uh, the board of directors, six members out of the 13, and they put in very conservative people. So the kids have already demonstrated last week. Um, let's see what happens because, you know, they do have a voice too. Yeah. And, sorry, go ahead. I, no, I think that's a good point, Louisa. Um, thinking about the impact of students right now, I know 
at a lot of colleges and university, the DEI offices, you know, they're not only responsible for making sure their hiring practices are um, fair and equitable and diverse, but they're also providing uh, resources and organizations for students who would fall under these categories. So it might look like um, a gay student union, it might look like a, you know, a black student union, uh, a women's club, you know, all of these organizations and groups that, you know, if I'm a student in Florida going to college and I'm looking for a community, I'm looking for support for something I'm going through, I'm going to be looking for these resources. And, you know, I, I think we have to think about who this is impacting. And, and at the university level, it's the students. And, you know, it's not only happening at the university level. Um, at, in K through 12, you know, I used to teach high school English. There's a lot of programs that train teachers to be more culturally responsive in their teaching practices in their curriculum and this is definitely a practice or you know that would not be accepted under this new law because what it does is it has teachers sort of recognize and sit with their own implicit biases and implicit biases is kind of a bad word <laughs> under the DeSantis administration right we people don't like to look at that it's a little bit uncomfortable and you know, um, I think it takes away from the point of things like culturally responsive teaching, which is to make sure that all students are being included, that you're not underestimating a student based on their race or where they're coming from, you know. Um, and I think that point of, of writing past wrongs and correcting, you know, and, and acknowledging that people start out with unequal opportunities and unequal footing is something that the governor would not agree with or acknowledge. We also have to recognize that DI can be done in a good way. It can also be poorly done, right? We uh, a couple of months ago we saw the example of the National Hockey League was advertising a job fair in Florida, and essentially uh, the announcement said only people who fit certain categories could come to this job fair, including women, people of color, etc. <laughs> there was obviously a backlash from the governor who said you're excluding, say, white men from, from this uh, job fair. Eventually, NHL changed everything. They, they took everything back. They said the job fair is open to everybody. But you see that that's a clearly a very bad way to diversify their workforce, which is something that NHL needs to do. And when I looked into this issue, I think over 80% of their employees were, were white. There was a clear need. They did a report. They saw a need to to bring diverse voices into the organization. As we know, hockey is not the most diverse sport to begin with, but there are ways to do DEI. And I think a lot of times cases like this, the one that I just mentioned, give credence to the belief that DEI is about exclusion, that in order to elevate certain groups of people, other groups of people need to be excluded from opportunities. I think we have to be mindful of that because we have seen examples time and time again of companies, for example, for them, diversity is just a box they have to check, right? And I think, again, not every company or institution that engages in DEI initiatives is doing that. But we have to be cognizant that DEI is not something, is not a one size fits all, and there are different ways to do it that I think sometimes can be problematic. And missing from this discussion is how do you diversify? Is that not a quality that we want to even pursue anymore? I mean, that that to me is something that um, hasn't been not been answered adequately in this discussion. And that is why um, if we're going to scrap all these things, how are we going to make sure that people of color, women, 
um, are represented in leadership positions um, in institutions in the state, in private industry. Um, I think it's um, it's a it's a behind that idea is is the thought that everybody will just rise to the occasion. But I think that we have we know because this has not worked in the past that that there is um, a real difficulty in in making sure that we are fully represented, and that is a healthy quality for a government and an institution um, that we should be pursuing, I think. Yeah, but also when you eliminate DI, you eliminate the responsibility of an institution to diversify, right? So they're saying, well, there are no qualified women who applied, so we couldn't hire. And that has been the speech that we heard, the excuse that we heard time and time again, or just no people of color who are qualified applied. And and I think that is an excuse to not do anything. I mean, that's just merely my opinion. I don't, I'm not in the head of, of the governor or the people pushing for these policies, but it they operate also under the assumption that we all start life on an equal footing. And I have to say that is, I don't believe in that. Just ask, just talk to people and you will see that that's not the case. You're listening to Woke Wars. We're going to take a break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I think all of you, you know, everyone, everyone has made valid points. I, I wish that we could live in a DEI-less world, meaning... You walk in the door for a job interview. I walk in the door as an African-American for a job interview. And you've got better qualifications. It's done. You mentioned um, implicit bias. And I think there's a real unwillingness to, to acknowledge that among people who probably have implicit bias and see a certain person walk through the door. And, uh, and, and, and again, it's not just... Um, a weapon against blacks or women. I think whites also are can be victims of that too, depending upon who the audience is. Yeah, and I wanted to go back to a point that you said earlier, Nancy. Um, you talked about the pendulum swinging too far, and perhaps there, you know, that's an issue. Um, I do think, playing on what you just said, um, that that there are people who, obviously, if you're a poor white person in this country you're going to feel as though you're not getting a break. So why should other people be getting breaks that you're not? And, you know, I understand that point of view. I really do. Um, and that is maybe, you know, when we talk about the pendulum swinging too far, that's part of that feeling. If, of course, you are a person who is um, a person of color or a woman or someone who's gay and you feel as though you're not getting a fair shake, you're going to think the pendulum has not swung far enough. What I really object to with this is that we are pitting you know, one side against the other. That is so, it's not only is it divisive, it's destructive of democracy, of civility, of the ability to lead. If there's no middle and we're only on extremes, what future do we have? Well, right. it works politically though. It and does. that is just infuriating that all of us are being used in one way or another. And some of us are getting the short end of the stick in this 
and others are being encouraged not to see how much they have in common the poor whites, the poor lower income, working class whites, how much they have in common with um, people of color who are going through exactly the same thing. It's a very deliberate, it's a very deliberate approach. For sure. And and DeSantis is a very smart politician, Mm -hmm. right? So we know that he's doing this. He has has very clearly mapped a path forward. The problem is that when you get to a national stage, then are you really willing to gamble the future of the country on your election? That feels to me like a um, a very selfish viewpoint, yeah. um, and also not good for the country. Yeah, but I bet he is. I bet you know that's exactly the point. I mean, we're here criticizing the governor, but we know that a lot of people do agree with him. They, I mean, he, they agree with the with with that. This is the people should not be given special advantages, and let's see how that goes on a national stage for him. It kind of worked for Trump. Could work for him too. Yeah, and. Um, it it is working for them and not only that you know we we have written about no oh, he's playing to his base he's playing to his base but his base given the results of the re, his reelection campaign is much much broader and he's roped in he's brought in some democrats he's gotten the votes of of independents and so it it is a working you know a working approach you, you mentioned, Louisa, um, New College uh, a little earlier, and the editorial board did talk to a newly appointed board member, Mark Bauerlein. He is, uh, he is a conservative. He was appointed by DeSantis and uh, is responsible for just walking back so much of the DEI uh, initiatives at this specific college. I think that new college is going to become a test case, uh, not just in Florida, but across the country, because everyone's looking at us. And we talked to Mark Bauerlein. He was a professor from Emory University. And as I said, he was just appointed to the trustees of new, board of trustees of new college. And um, he told us his philosophy of DEI. When I saw that in all the job postings for faculty, that diversity, equity, and inclusion is foregrounded in the desired profile. That a diversity statement is required of you in the application. I don't need to know anything more. Right there is a sign that the campus, the DEI here is binding and it's got to go to force academics who are applying for a job, a computer scientist, this was one job, a visiting computer scientist, you have to complete a diversity statement explaining how you are going to support diversity and inclusion in your teaching and research and service while you are here at, at New College. What a humiliating thing to have to do. Does he have a point, I mean, I'm not quite sure about the humiliation of it all. And I like to think, I like to say that if you are going to engage in DEI, if you are really concerned about diversifying in any and every way your, your staff or your classroom, it does have to be done intentionally. And you remember, Nancy, when I asked him, that uh, how, how do you fix the, the question then? What, how do you make it more of an even playing field? He had no answer. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually a response. He was responding to a question I asked about, you know, what do these offices actually do for new college? What goes on? And he kind of said, as soon as he saw that professors have to write a diversity statement upon getting hired, that's all he needed to see, that they, that they were going to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting rid of the offices, you know, upon seeing something you don't agree with, why not amend them to make them, you know, more inclusive? Um, he made a point about it excludes conservatives and religious groups, right? So instead of getting rid of this initiative completely, you should you know, you should change it to, um, you know, and complaining about having to do something to get a job. To me, it's just, it's just so weak. Like, I'm sorry, but suck it up. You know, know, (laughs) that is one facet of what this office does, right? And that's the thing. We're all, both sides cherry pick facts, right? I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that anybody's immune to that. However, I mean, I think when he presents that information, I think most people are like, but I'm a computer scientist. Why? I don't know anything about DEI. I'm a, a, a white guy from a small town. I don't know right. how to do this. Exactly. Should I have to do this? I wasn't taught to do this. So I understand the frustration. However, I don't think the DEI is just that. And that is the danger in politics. We oversimplify things mm-hmm. and we use the worst case scenario and we pick examples that are so egregious, but they might not represent the whole of the entirety of an issue. Right. But you know, I think DI can be problematic in that sense. I agree. Does it mean ban it? Maybe fix it? But they're not here to fix things. They are here to impose a certain point of view because they believe DI, as as Mr. Bowline, Professor Bowline told us, is a political statement and imposes liberal views on universities. Right. And and the reality is that the students in your room, as a professor, the students in your room are going to come from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic status, um, you know, different cultural um traditions and you have to be cognizant of that when you're a teacher you have to be aware of those differences to be a a, you know an effective teacher so it doesn't matter what the subject is but it's about who is in your room and and how you're perceiving them and how you are building the curriculum around the the humans that you are trying to teach and he does make the point that he believes that uh dei is a little bit of political correctness gone amok and i can see that point too yeah and I can see the point that uh, conservatives might might be excluded from academia or might feel that they cannot fully express their views. I I can see that happening. That, that is something that I'm not even going to disagree with him. That he's he told us that people were afraid to teach some Frederick Douglass texts that in, included the N word in them, and that professors were were petrified to that they might be called out. There might be a complaint against them. So you start getting into these very delicate situations. Um, but again, I always go back to you just don't swing, swing the pendulum so far the other way where, again, then you're just excluding people and you're making the lives of people who have nothing to do with this a lot harder because you're trying to, to make a political point. That's going to have to be the last word. Subscribe to the Miami Herald to see what else the editorial board has to say. Go to miamiherald.com slash subscribe. We thank WLRN. Our engineer was Peter Meritz. Our videographers were Jose Iglesias and Matias Ochner. Thanks so much for listening.